what up, and welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host, and I am a fellow 20-something creating this podcast for you, my 20-something friends, or 20-somethings at heart. My hope and prayer is that you walk away from each episode feeling encouraged, challenged, and refreshed in your walk with the Lord. I invite some legit older, wiser women on to help us along this journey and remind us that we will indeed survive. I am pumped that you're here. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, I'm chatting with Jennifer Greenberg. Jennifer and I had a great conversation about her new book, Not Forsaken, which released on August 20th. I want to go ahead and give a little disclaimer for this episode because I know some of you have likely gone through what Jen and I chat about today, and I want to be sensitive to those of you that have. Jennifer's story is a story of 12 years of abuse from her father. We don't go into detail, but if talking about sexual and emotional abuse is a trigger for you, then I give you full permission to skip this episode. And for the rest of you, know that this is a sensitive topic, and Jennifer is so open and honest about her struggles with the Lord and entering into marriage because of her history. It's a great conversation, and I'm excited for you guys to hear it. So let's get on with it. Well, hey, Jennifer, welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Emma. Oh, of course. I've been so excited. So how about you just go ahead, tell us a little bit about yourself and what your life looks like these days. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, as you know, I recently um, wrote a book called Not Forsaken. It's coming out August 20th. And so my publisher and I are, uh, what's, yeah, it's It's um, so soon. I'm like a month away. So soon. I know. I know. It's crazy. And, um, you know, my, my publisher has just been, um, you know, working on getting everything ready and, and press coverage and all that good stuff. And so, um, you know, and so I, I've been busy with that, but also, um, I have three little girls Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. I have a, um, a six-year-old, a five-year-old and a three-year-old. Oh boy. Yes. And so, (laughs) um, we, we have so much fun. Um, my husband is a mechanical engineer and he's very supportive of my writing. And, um, I've been homeschooling, um, the girls through kindergarten and we're kind of getting ready for, um, uh, public school this fall. So, oh boy, yes. So just so many things happening in our lives between my book, the kids, um, just so much transition and just, but all just wonderful things, you know, just God's really blessing us a lot. And, and we've been really blessed to, to live in an area where the schools are very good. Um, I have a friend who, um, is actually a public school teacher and she said most of the teachers in our school district are actually Christians. Oh, that's awesome. So, yes. That's such so a blessing. It's a huge blessing. So um, I'm very excited about that. And, and in addition, um, Jason's parents recently moved to be closer to us. So they're only like six minutes away. And so we get to see grandma and papa. Yeah. Um, free babysitting. Once a week. Yes. It's awesome. <laughs> So, and actually, as we speak, grandma is playing on a trampoline with the kids. So, yeah, it's just, everything's been really good. And I, I feel very, very blessed. Great. I love that. Where do you, where do you guys live? We live in the Houston area. Okay. Yeah. I grew yeah. up in Houston. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're just a couple hours south of y'all. Very cool. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, tell me about Not Forsaken. So, you know, you said it's coming out August 20th. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure it's been a crazy writing journey. I've heard so many things about, you know, just what it's like to write a book, but, you know, kind of give us a little bit of background about, um, you know, just your vision and, and Mm -hmm. why you decided to write it. Um, Mm -hmm you know, kind of maybe if you'd be willing to just kind of share your story around what, um, what prompted you to write this book. Um, yeah, Absolutely. just share the, share with us your journey in writing Not Forsaken. Yeah. So, um, my journey writing Not Forsaken, um, really, I guess it began quite a long time ago. So I'm the survivor of 21 years of child abuse, domestic mm. violence, 
sexual abuse, emotional abuse um, at the hands of my church going father. Mm. Um, And so, you know, growing up, I thought that abuse and a lot of dysfunctionality was normal because it's, it's what I was used to. It's all that I knew. Right. Um, And we did grow up in the church, but you know, people tend to be well-behaved in public and different in private. And so I just kind of always assumed that everybody's family was really dysfunctional and everybody's home was um, uh, broken or abusive and that people just kind of dressed nice and acted nice on Sundays. Um, You know, and, and I knew, I think just kind of subconsciously, like I knew something was wrong um, because even when I was very young, um, maybe like 11 or 12 years old, I prayed that God would be my real daddy, you know, Mm. that he would take the place of my biological dad in my heart. Mm. Um, because I was really afraid that, you know, going through puberty and becoming a teenager and going to college that I was just going to be exposed to a lot of, um, negative influences and get into trouble. And I, I feared that if I didn't have a good dad in my life, a good guide, you know, a parent, um, to, to lead me through that, that time of transition and that time of maturing and, and growth that I really feared that, that I would get into a lot of trouble. And so, so I asked God to be my real daddy and, um, Mm. that kind of marked, I mean, I, I was a Christian before that, but that was kind of a major milestone in, in my faith. Yeah. Um, that really put me on a course um, toward who I am today. And, you know, fast forward, um, a couple years, um, I should say more than a couple years, like a decade. Um, when I was 21, um, I married Jason mm-hmm. and you know, Jason and I met when I was 18 and I immediately, I mean, within, I'm talking within like a couple months, fell in love with him. Hmm. Um, he was, I was actually, it was, you know, I, I was advertising for band members. I I was a freshman in college and I was advertising for band members because I don't know if you know this, but I'm not, I was actually a vocal major. Okay. So I sang opera in college and yeah, it was really fun. Um, but I wanted to start a band. Like I wanted to be the next Amy Lee, you know, singing Evanescence or whatever. (laughs) Um, and so I was advertising for band members and Jason was the only one who responded to my ad and, but he was a really talented or he still is, but he was a really talented guitarist. And so we hit it off really well. He's this really, you know, cute, shy guy. And I was this bubbly outgoing, you know, young girl with starry eyes about the future. And, (laughs) um, and, you know, so we started dating and, um, I I just, I don't know. I just felt like the more I got to know Jason, even though he wasn't a Christian at the time, he actually became a Christian while we were dating. Oh, really? And yes. And and it was kind of funny because what would happen is um, my family wouldn't give me any money for like food or anything when I was at school. Mm. And I had saved up all my money to pay for tuition. Mm. So... Um, I didn't have anything to eat. So I was like getting, I was like saving up quarters and getting like Doritos and Coke, you know, for mm. breakfast, lunch, and dinner at, at the University of Houston. And Jason found out about that. And he was like, oh no, you can't eat that. You know, I'm going to, you know, come over to my dorm room and I'll make you some food. And so he made me what, what I call bachelor food, right? It was like, <laughs> it was like ramen noodles, spaghetti, yes. baked potatoes, you know, just whatever single guys can cook or make right. in the microwave. It was very basic. <laughs> And, um, so, but he, he fed me and I read the Bible to him. So I fed him spiritually. Wow. And yeah. And so it ended up being a really nice trade-off <laughs> and, um, you know, he became a Christian. Um, I think it was like after a year or two and, and we got married a year after that, but, you know, it was really hard for me. Um, you know, because as I, as I'd grown and as I'd matured, I, I was realizing more and more that there was something wrong with my dad. Hmm. that my, my home was dysfunctional, that I was living with, um, abuse. I maybe wouldn't have put that word to it, but I knew that it was dangerous and I knew that it was violent. Um, 
you know, and I knew that there was, there was like, um, you know, predatory, you know, sexual things going on too, that, that really just were disturbing. There's just dark darkness Mm -hmm. in our home. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so I really had to struggle, you know, and I prayed back and forth, um, over this was, you know, God, you need to give me a sign that Jason's the right guy. I don't want to just marry him because I want to escape my home. I want to marry him because I love him and because he's who you want me to marry. And, um, so once Jason became a Christian, he just started just spiritually, just, just exploding with grace. And, and he was so loving and so gentle and so kind. And I could, I could see God's work in his life so clearly. Um, and I really took that as a sign that, you know, it's okay. You can marry this guy. He's a good guy. You're making a wise decision, you know, as wise as anybody can make, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and so, so we married and, and, you know, it was funny because even after marriage, the more I got to know Jason, the more I got to know what it was like to live with a godly man, Mm -hmm. the more I realized by contrast, how wrong my dad had been. Mm-hmm. And how abusive my past had been. And I started, um, I started labeling what I'd experienced as yes, this was abuse, this was domestic violence, this was this was sexual abuse, um, child abuse, um, psychological abuse. And so, you know, I went through um, I mean, it was like m- my world turned upside down. You know, suddenly everything I thought I knew, I had to question. Mm. Um, because so many things that I'd taken for granted, like my parents, um, being ideals that I could, that I could look up to and, and my dad being involved in our lives were no longer possible. Mm. So, um, I had to really question a lot of things and, Um, but Jason, I mean, he helped me through PTSD. He supported me through whatever counseling I needed to get. Mm -hmm. And I actually began writing not forsaken. Um, I want to say I started writing. It was actually not that long ago, just to give you an idea of how long the journey has been. We're coming up on 13 years of marriage this September. Mm -hmm. And I just started writing it. I want to say in 2017. Okay. Um, but I began writing it as a series of letters to Jason to try to help him understand like what I had, what I was going through Mm -hmm. and what had happened to me. And it ended up being a real process of self-discovery because I started having to put what I'd experienced to words. Mm -hmm. And I started having to, you know, compare what I'd been through to what scripture says love is like and what scripture says a father is like. And so, you know, I, you know, I set out to explain myself to my husband, but I ended up learning about myself and understanding myself in the process. Yeah. And, and ultimately I understood, I came to understand God's hand in my life because, you know, I was so prone, especially when I was really struggling to feel like God had abandoned me Mm -hmm. and like God was far away. But when I sat down and I wrote through my stories, I could see God's hands. Like he hadn't abandoned me in the shadow, in the valley of the shadow of death. He right. shepherded me through the valley of the shadow of death. There's a huge difference there. Um, and so, yeah, it was just, I mean, for me, it was a profound healing experience. Um, it, it greatly strengthened our marriage. I think, I think it tested it at times because I would stay up until, you know, like two in the morning, three in the morning writing. Mm. And, you know, Jason was just really patient. You know, he was like, no, I understand you've got to do this. You've got to get this done. I get it. Um, thank God we are both creative people. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so it's just been, it's been an incredible journey. And then, you know, to be able to actually find a publisher um, to find people who are interested in my story and, and who see value in it. And just the hope uh, that, that my story can be used by God to encourage and help others. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's just, it's so fulfilling. It's just God taking something that was 
Um, you know, it's like Joseph said to his brothers, I think it's Genesis 50, 20, I want to say, he said, you intended evil against me, but God has intended it for good to -hmm. accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And, you know, I just, I'm so grateful that God is hopefully going to use my story and, and has been using my story. And I'm, I'm really excited about the 20th. Um, it's going to be big. I'm really, really I'm excited for you. Thank you. So did you, did you, when did you like first start kind of opening up about your past? Like at one, at what point did you kind of like flip a switch and was like, wow, that, that was not right. And kind of like started to invite people into that. Like, what did that process look like for you to start, you know, telling people what happened and invite them into that? Sure. Um, it happened when I was in my early twenties. Um, everything with, um, my parents kind of exploded around the time of my wedding because, Mm -hmm. um, shortly before that, um, one of my sisters had come to me and told me that she had seen my dad looking at some very disturbing porn Mm. and something in my head clicked and I thought, okay, once I'm gone, once I'm out of the home, he's going to stop focusing on me and he's going to focus on somebody else. And I was really afraid that he would harm one of my sisters. Mm -hmm. So I confronted my mom about what was going on. And I told her about the pornography and, um, and, and abuse, um, and that's and the so, first time you had talked to her about it? I had talked to her about it off and on throughout my childhood. But, um, you know, it's a complex thing. It's, I think for a lot of women, for a lot of wives and mothers, it's hard and it's hard to, to come to terms with the idea that your husband, the man that you love, is just he's abusive Mm -hmm. and he's not getting better. I think there's always this hope that he's going to get better, that God's going to work, you know, and we're, we're so inclined. We're so wired to, to, um, to trust that God's going to make everything sunshine and roses. Mm -hmm. When in fact there are, you know, even in the Bible, there are a lot of very abusive people. You think about King Saul, you know, you think about how many times David and Jonathan hoped so badly that he would turn out to be a good man. Um, you know, I really relate to Jonathan in a lot of ways, you know, it's David would come to Jonathan and say, Hey, your dad's trying to kill me. And Jonathan would say, Oh no, my dad would never do that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, this gotta be a misunderstanding, you know? Um, and so, you know, I think, um, and, and then of course there's also the issue that, you know, as a child, um, how does a child tell someone that their parents abusive, they're not going to use those words. Right. They're going to say my, my dad was angry or, um, I got a spanking or something that maybe sounds maybe concerning, but kind of innocuous. And cause they don't, they don't have the vocabulary to say, Hey, my, you know, my dad sexually molested me. Like a child's not going to say that. Mm-mm. And they won't um, understand that term in general, right? Exactly. They don't know that term. In fact, you know, I've heard many times that an abuser will actually tell the child what they're doing. Hmm. They'll say, you know, I'm, I'm loving you or, you know, we're just showing affection to each other. And the upshot of that is, and I think this is very intentional is that the child will go and try to confide in someone else and they'll say, Hey, you know, so-and-so was, was being loving and that doesn't communicate to the adult they're talking to. Right. So, yeah. So I, a lot of abusers set up code words. They mess with the language. Mm. Um, and it, it really hampers a child's ability to communicate what's wrong. Um, yeah. So even though I, I tried to tell my mom or I tried to tell 
pastors and friends what was going on with me. Sometimes I think people did understand, but they just didn't want to deal with it or didn't know what to do. But a lot of the times I think they just didn't get it. Hmm. That's so hard and so tricky, especially on your end to to have the courage to even say something and be confused Uh about what's happening and not to have anybody fight for you in that, you know? And the other thing that I was thinking about is just the fact that uh, your dad was a Christian, was, you know, going to church. um, Uh And so how did that just kind of confuse your faith? Um, it did a lot. I think, you know, thank, thank God, um, the Lord saved me at a very early age, or I think it would have really messed me up Mm -hmm. profoundly more. Um, but it damaged my understanding of what it means that God is a father. Mm -hmm. It was very hard for me not to think of God, the father as this angry, apathetic, distant, um, very rule oriented God, you know, when in fact, um, the, the whole story of redemption, him sending his son, um, and sending his spirit, this is that storyline, that, that epic plan to redeem God's people is the brainchild of the entire Trinity. You know, it's, so it's, it's the father's plan, um, to save his children and to love them. And, you know, and he knows that we can't live up to his laws and, um, and he's created a way that he doesn't have to demand we do so. Um, and so that was, I think that was a major, um, way that it hurt my faith. And, you know, like I said previously, just this feeling of being abandoned, You know, it's like, God, if you really love me, why are you letting this happen? If you really love me, why don't you fix my dad? Why did you let me be born into a family that was this messed up? You know, why are you not stopping this? And I, at one point I prayed to God, I was like, look, you're sovereign. You're all powerful. If you wanted to, you could strike my dad with lightning. You could give him a heart attack. You could just wipe him off the face of the earth. But for whatever reason, you're not doing it. And I don't understand. You know, it's like, why are you letting this evil happen? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and it took me, it took me a long time to process that. And there was probably several years where I just, it was very hard for me to go to church. Um, and part of that was my anger at God and my misunderstanding of who God is and why he lets bad things happen. But part of it was also just, I didn't feel like I didn't feel comfortable at church because, you know, I'd grown up in the church Mm -hmm. and people in the church hadn't understood that my dad was abusive and they hadn't been there for me when I was being abused. And so it was very hard for me to feel like I could trust anyone Mm -hmm. or, um, or, or believe that anybody could relate with me because I just felt like, nobody had, had seen, and I didn't understand how nobody had, had seen what was going on. Mm, And rightfully so. What should be such a safe place for you uh, was not, and where people Mm -hmm. should be supportive and coming around you and, um, helping you get a way out of it didn't. And so rightfully so, although it's incredibly sad that that's, that's how yeah. it how it happened and how there are so many stories where the church kind of hides things like that. Yeah, yeah. Or neglects, just kind of, you know, hopes it goes away on its own. Because it is such a it's such a painful thing to deal with and nobody wants to believe that their friend or that guy that she that teaches Sunday school or that guy that plays piano or that gal that you know, is in the nursery on Sundays is actually, you know, a predator Mm. or dangerous. Nobody wants to think those thoughts. And so I think there's an instinctive, it's not always even conscious. There's an instinctive 
need for us to be like, to kind of shuffle those thoughts away. Oh no. How could I think, you know, those, those dark things about Joe over there, you know, when, Mm -hmm. when really what we need to go is, okay, wait, I need to listen to my gut. I need to listen to this child and I need to make sure that God is glorified and that we're doing everything we can to make sure that his children are being protected. Mm -hmm. So true. And it's, it's just incredibly sad. And I, it's hard to be in that place. I'm sure as somebody of the church and just being confused about, you know, these people that were supposed to support me didn't. And so having Mm -hmm. to kind of retrain your brain and allow the Lord to come in and, you know, re refocus on what Christians are supposed to be and how they're supposed to come around you. So did God just kind of come in and intervene for you? Like when, when did you really feel like, okay, he's beginning like a major healing process. And did he give you people that did fight for you and come alongside you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I really liked what you said a second ago, retrain your brain, because Mm -hmm. there is a lot to that. Um, You know, we learn to think in a certain way, especially during our childhood, we assume certain things are normal. And so we do, we have to retrain our brains um, to a new healthy normal. And the spirit is so instrumental in that, you know, uh, a lot of times theology nerds will call it sanctification. You know, the spirit works in our hearts mm-hmm. um, to make us new, to build us up, to make us more like Christ and less like the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, and so that process, honestly, it start because I was a Christian so early, it began, you know, when I was a young, young child. But I think it kind of did come in waves, um, you know, depending on the season of my life. Um, I became seriously, um, suicidal when I was around 15 because I, you know, I understood to a new degree that my dad was sexually attracted to me. Mm. Um, and at that time I felt that the way I looked, my body, the way, um, the way I was developing as a female, was actually causing my dad to sin. And no matter, you know, whether I wore long sleeves or jeans or, you know, what didn't matter how I dressed or acted, um, I didn't seem to be able to get away from it. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that was, that was a horrible, horrible season of my life. Um, but really, you know, I think like any healing process, there's a lot of pain at the beginning. Um, you know, it's, it's funny when I, um, when I gave birth to my second daughter, um, I actually tore my, um, my hip muscle or my tendon, uh, during labor. And so I was actually bedridden, um, and then walking in a walker and then crutches after that for like nine weeks. Oh wow! It was the most agonizing, like physically agonizing experience of my life. But, you know, going through that, I can kind of see how spiritual injuries are very similar or emotional injuries are very similar. You know, you have the trauma itself and that may only take like five minutes for that trauma to occur. But then you've got a season of time where you're just in agony and it's baby steps and it's struggling and it's not being able to sleep at night and it's not being able to take care of yourself and, um, and, you know, trying to depend on other people to, to help you and to, um, to diagnose you, um, whatever it may be, but there's this agonizing phase when, when you just can't handle it, there's too much pain, um, But during that time, you know, even though you're in so much pain, you're also, you are healing. Mm -hmm. So, um, during my early twenties, you know, like I said, I I went through a period where I I just couldn't go to church. And I remember telling God, you know, finally, after maybe a year of this, um, you know, I told God, I was like, I, I cannot stand going to church. Um, 
reading the Bible makes me physically nauseous because I feel like it's a big book of promises that are not happening in my life. Mm. I feel betrayed. Um, you know, it, it's hard for me to even pray to you. And, you know, and I told God, I was like, I, I can't stand sitting next to Christians in pews who I feel are superficial and don't understand me. And the only thing that I can do now, the only thing that comforts me is sitting at home by myself, playing hymns and singing at the piano. Mm. And that's, that's the only thing I, I know how to do to connect with you. And when I finally got to a place where I could confide that in God, when I could tell him, and you know, he is, he's our mighty counselor. Um, I think it's Isaiah 9, where, where Isaiah says, God is our mighty counselor, or wonderful counselor. And once I confided that, I just felt this tremendous peace. It was like, it was like God understood, you know, he knew what I was going through. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I started thinking more about, you know, well, what did Jesus go through? He was betrayed by, by people that he loved. Um, he was, he was lied about. He was falsely accused. He was beaten up. He, um, and he was crucified. He was murdered. Mm -hmm. Um, so he absolutely understands what it's like to be abused and to be betrayed and to have your heart broken. And once I realized that things started getting tremendously better for me spiritually, I mean, I'm not saying it still wasn't a long process, but, um, but that kind of sparked a very definite upward trend, mm -hmm. um, in my spiritual healing. And also of course, the story of, of Jacob, when he wrestles with God in the wilderness you know, I kind of, I kind of came to a realization that, you know what, it's okay to wrestle with God. Um, you know, God meets us where we are and, and he is God and he is good. And no matter what misconceptions I may have about him, doesn't change who he is. Mm -hmm. Man, that's a crazy journey just to, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yes. I know I look back on it sometimes and I'm like, how am I normal? <laughs> it sounds terrible, but you know, it's like, I look at my life right now. I look at my life. I've got a book about to be published. I've got three beautiful children. I've got a happy family who have loving grandparents. We've got a great church, you know, and I, I'm actually, um, I'm about to start um, playing piano at our church as the pianist. Wow. And so it's like, I, I look at all these good things happening in my life and I look at how happy I am. And I'm just like, I look back on my childhood and even my early twenties, I'm like, goodness, I, you know, it's just, God has brought me a long way. Yeah. You're like, it, only me, Jesus. Just, yes, absolutely. It's only like, Jesus. I feel like I'm walking away from a car accident. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's mm -hmm. like, I'm looking at the wreckage behind me and going, how did I survive that? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, I bet. It's and it's, but it's so it's so cool also that you can look back and be like, yeah, it's all in the past. Like, there it is. Yes, look oh at God. that. Look at that yes. mess that was <laughs> and look at what God has done and what he's Absolutely. blessed me with behind all of that. That's just truly yes. amazing. And it I really feel like, is like to the point of being surreal. It's, yes. it's incredible. And people who hear your story, I feel like you can't, you know, I always say that, you know, people can argue with your beliefs or argue with, um, you know, just um, different, different things surrounding faith, but no sure. one can argue with your story. And it's so yeah. evident that only God could have done that. You know, it's Absolutely. not coincidence. It's not karma or fate or whatever. It is literally God of the universe who absolutely gave yeah, you, <laughs> picked yeah. you up out of muck and mire and set your feet on solid rock. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And well, like I said, Jason wasn't even a Christian when we met. Mm -hmm. So it was just, that was you so know, cool too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it just, I don't know everything. It's like, you know, I, I feel like on the one hand I have all of this trauma in my past but at the same time, there are so many miracles. Um, I can't look at my past 
and feel any longer like God has abandoned me. I just, I can't, Mm -hmm. you know, just reason denies me the opportunity because yes, there were bad things, but I made it. And the fact that I'm here today and that the fact that I still have my faith even, but also on top of having my faith to, to, to be a a mom and and a a wife and just happy and emotionally healthy. I'm just, I'm profoundly grateful. That is truly amazing. Seriously, no one can argue with it. And it's, I'm, I'm just so thankful that you have shared it. And, you know, I, I would love for you just, you know, cause I know that there are probably girls who have been through something like this that have mm. either come forward and shared their story um, with somebody, or there might be girls that have not, and maybe mm-hmm. have just started to realize that, you know, things that happened to them when they were little were not normal. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I want to be sensitive to those girls um as well and so would you just kind of speak to that girl who has experienced it um and is either scared to come forward or is Mm -hmm. already in kind of a state of healing sure um well I will say that one mistake that I made if you can call it a mistake I mean it so many things you know it's like I look back on my life it's like well should I done that differently but at the same time no, it, it all, you know, God guided everything and it came out perfectly. Um, but one of the things that was really hard for me, I call it the ground zero season of recovery because you've just realized that, you know, to on an adult level, you know, maybe you've known for a while that your family was messed up, but you've come, you've now come to an adult realization that actual crimes were committed against you. Um, you know, and that people betrayed you and that maybe people who you love dearly, who witnessed your abuse did nothing to help Mm. you. And it's an incredibly painful, um, raw and acutely agonizing season of, of the recovery process. Um, and I would just say, you know, for, for, in my situation, I, you know, thank God was married to Jason. And so he was able to help guide me. And one of the ways he helped guide me was he would actually tell me, you can talk to this person about what happened. Don't talk to this person. This person over here is your friend, but they're not quite mature enough to deal with that. Why don't you talk to this person instead? And so, you know, and I was not maturity wise, or maybe it wasn't even maturity. Maybe it was just too, in too much agony. I could not decide um, wisely who to confide in. Mm. Um, and so I would just, you know, encourage anyone in that situation don't rush talking about it. Um, you know, as long as you're not in danger, obviously. If you're in danger, call 911. Um, you know, and talk to your, to your pastor, um, talk to a neighbor, talk to anybody who will listen and get, get yourself to a safe place. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you're in a safe place and you know, you're looking at your abuse in the rear view mirror and you're not sure what to do, don't feel pressured to immediately go on twitter.com hashtag me too <laughs> And tell everybody your story mm. because what's going to happen is you're going to get a bunch of trolls yeah. and you know, you're going to get people who maybe have good intentions, but don't know how to deal with what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so seek out very, be, be very patient with yourself mm-hmm. because, and it's hard to do because you're not used to other people being patient with you. So, so you've got to relearn what patience means. And, and you've got to be very careful with yourself and show yourself a level of respect and love that's never been shown to you before. Right. Um, and so, you know, just really take good godly care of yourself. You kind of have to be the good Samaritan to yourself and, um, and just, you know, be very careful who you talk to, um, confide in people who are calm who are wise, who have a lot of life experience. Um, Some of the best people I talked to, you know, were old enough to be my parents. 
Mm -hmm. um, or old enough to be my grandparent, but they had encountered abuse survivors before. And so they at least knew, okay, Jen, I don't know what to say to you, but I'm going to take you over to this pastor or over to this counselor or over to my friend over here. And we're going to, we're going to listen, Yeah, you know? So that would be, I think my advice to someone who's just really kind of starting to come to grips with what's happened to them, you know? And, um, you know, like I said, you know, if it's hard to talk to, to anyone about it, talk to God, Mm -hmm. you can tell God absolutely anything. You can tell him all the gory details. You can confide, you know, even sins that you, you feel you've committed. Or like, I remember I felt that I, that I caused my dad to feel attracted to me. Now, obviously I didn't. Mm -hmm. His sin was completely his sin. It was his problem. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, as his daughter, you know, he should have been able to look at me in any state and not think thoughts like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I just... It's very difficult. I, I even um, I even prayed to God. Like I told God, I don't know what's my fault. I don't know what's my dad's fault. I don't know whose sin is even whose. Mm-hmm. Like I just can't sort it out. And so I'm just going to pass this over to you and let you sort it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because you're God, so I figure you can deal with this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know what, God, just forgive me what for what I need to be forgiven of, and hold my dad accountable for whatever he's accountable for, and you deal with it. Yeah. You know, but that's so, biblical. And, he says we can do that. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. It's part of putting your trust in God mm-hmm. is passing, passing that responsibility to God and also passing your anger to God. You know, I, at one point I prayed like, look, God, this anger is just poisoning my heart. I'm angry every day. I can't be happy. I can't enjoy things because I'm so angry. And I keep having these, these images pop into my head that just, you know, I would be washing dishes or, or, you know, walking, taking a walk outside. And suddenly I remember something horrific about my childhood and Mm. the anger would just snap right back into my head. Right. And I prayed to God. I was like, look, you took my sins on the cross. You took my guilt and you paid for it. Mm -hmm. Now my anger is righteous anger. Like it's justified. I should be angry at evil, but I can't deal with it. Like I can't, it's hurting me and it's painful. So I need you to be angry for me. I need you to, like he says in the Psalms, he's angry with the wicked every day. And so part of trusting God was trusting God to be angry for me. Mm. And, you know, he says, vengeance is mine. Um, So, you know, I may never see worldly justice. My my abuser may never pay for his crimes in this life, but God is holy and God is sovereign and he's perfectly just. There's no statute of limitations in his court. He doesn't need DNA. He doesn't need um, evidence. He doesn't need, you know, witness testimony because he was there and he remembers everything. That's right. So yeah, just being able to, to, to lay all my worries on God. And like I said, it was a huge process. It took me over a decade. Um, and it was hard, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not something that you can just, well, I'm going to trust in Jesus and I'm good now. It, that's not how it works. Right. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, (laughs) I'm honestly just speechless at how good God has been to you just in in healing and, and all that he's blessed you with, um, post that situation. But thank you for being willing to share your story and willing to, um, just speak to those girls that, um, maybe are stuck in the same kind of thing and, um, are on the journey towards healing. So, but I love to close this out with three questions that Mm -hmm. I ask every guest that comes on the podcast and I'm excited to hear Mm -hmm. your answers. Um, (laughs) yeah. So be prepared. This first one can be hard for some people, but what is one thing that you wish you knew as a 20 something? Okay. Yes. I, um, like I mentioned when I was 21, I, um, I got married 
And, you know, one thing, and I don't, I don't know if my dad was cognizant of this or not, but when I was a kid, um, maybe as young as like 11 or 12, I noticed that my dad was nicer to me when I was dressed up and had my hair done and maybe even had some makeup on. He was nicer. But if I was sick, you know, if I was lounging around in sweatpants, if my hair was messy or anything like that, he was mean. And so I began to equate how I looked with how I deserved to be treated. Mm. Um, but with Jason, I mean, he's nice to me no matter how I look. And trust me, he has seen me in the worst possible situations. Like, I mean, he's seen me with the flu, mm. with food poisoning. I mean, after I've just had a baby. Um, after I've been up with babies all night, you know, and I smell like baby spit up. Um, and, and, you know, like I mentioned earlier when I was um, injured, it was Jason who, who took care of me. Um, and so, you know, I learned, and it took me a way too long to learn this, but when you're married to a godly man, he's going to love you no matter what you look like, no matter how good of a shape you're in, um, how you dress, how well you do your makeup, um, you know, the kind of clothes you wear, he's going to love you and he's going to treat you with respect Mm -hmm. and he's going to be interested in your opinions. He's going to care about your emotions, how you feel. Um, you know, my dad, um, he, he would treat my, my feelings like, like they were stupid or like I was crazy. I was being a hyper-emotional female if I complained about my treatment. Um, But Jason, my husband, you know, I can come to him and I can say, hey, you know, you said this this morning and and it just kind of came out weird and it it worried me. Like, do you think this or do you think that? And he'd be like, whoa, whoa, you know, just here. No, no, no. This is what I think. And But he's very concerned with how I feel. And he even, he asks me for advice, you know, before we make, he makes any kind of financial decisions or before we plan our weekend or whatever, he always asks me for advice, um, because he cares about what I think. Um, and so how I look, you know, and I love working out and I love being healthy and I love dressing pretty. I'm not dissing any of that, but his love for me and his treatment of me is not dependent upon those things. Mm. That's exactly right. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you. Just, yeah, yeah, I'm sure a lot of girls, well, I know that a lot of girls struggle with that and just like self image and yeah, your history of abuse has not helped that at all. And so, um, but even, even for the girl that hasn't, hasn't had that happen to her, um, you know, just like self-image and, um, absolutely, that's a huge Being a girl thing. is hard. Yes, <laughs> heck yes. Really hard. yeah, it is. It so is. Uh, and so not, no matter what age, not even in your twenties, um, mm-hmm. it's a hard yeah. thing. So, okay. And talking about those insecurities helps them go away. That's another yes. thing I've learned. Yes. Confession, mm-hmm. inviting other people into that totally and that can be hard especially with things surrounding self-image being able to have the humility to to say like this is what I'm struggling with even if it seems ridiculous or or whatever and I feel like a lot of girls are trapped in that because they're like I think I would feel ridiculous for saying that this is how I feel because it's probably not true but it's what I feel you know right and the thing is if you feel that way in all likelihood other people do too yes because you're not a space alien you're a human being we're all humans right so you might as well be the first one to say something there you go yes (laughs) don't don't do it alone yeah okay so next I wanted to know what are you reading listening to and or watching these days Um, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's funny because between editing my book and then writing articles to, um, to kind of publish and blogs and and all that sort of thing, I've barely had any time to read other people's work lately. Like for the past probably year, it's been really difficult, you know, between that 
and also just, you know, taking care of kids and the, the madness of, of just daily life. And so I feel kind of like a chef or something, you know, it's like I'm cooking <laughs> up all these cool ideas and I'm preparing pieces for other people to enjoy, but I haven't myself really gotten to sit down and just enjoy somebody else's work. Um, I, let's see the last, I'm, I'm currently reading, um, Rachel Miller's book. Let me pull up the title so I don't mess it up. You're good. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, so I'm I'm reading Rachel Miller's book, and it is. And of course, my computer decides to freeze. (laughs) Oh my lands! Beyond authority and submission. And it's about, um, it's about the biblical roles of men and women. Okay. Um, and, and it's just, it's been really a fascinating read. So, so I've been reading that. It's actually not released yet. Um, let me see here. What date is that release? I don't know if. Beyond authority and submission. I'll have to look it up later for yeah, you. I'm good. sorry. No, no worries. Um, but yeah, let's see that. And also let's see, I've been reading through first Corinth, first and second Corinthians, um, which I find incredibly encouraging because, you know, the apostle Paul, he suffered so many things, yeah. um, false accusations, physical violence, betrayal, persecution. Um, but through it all, he used his pain to point people to Jesus and, I really find that just so incredibly inspiring. I mean, if I accomplish one one thousandth of what Paul did, I will be so happy with um, with my life. <laughs> you know, just um, being able to take the the negative, the ugly, the harrowing experiences that we have, and to have God use those things to shine the gospel. Um, that's my dream. And that's really my hope for not forsaken is, is that God would use that in such a way to just bring something beautiful out of something Mm -hmm. ugly. Um, as far as music goes, I have really eclectic taste. I'm actually, um, actually I'm finishing up producing my own album, No way. which, yeah, I'll have to send it to you. Actually, it's called symbiotic and we're going to be releasing it shortly after the book comes out. Um, and it, it also kind of, uh, goes through some of the emotions that I struggled with, um, during my recovery process, but a lot of it is, it's also inspired by like classic books and literature because I am extremely nerdy. Um, and so like, there's a song about like, that's inspired by Shakespeare's Hamlet. There's a song that's inspired by Casablanca and Hmm. it's just, yeah. So, um, but as far as music I've been listening to, um, I don't know if <laughs> I, I told you, okay, I gave you the heads up and I listened to eclectic stuff. So there's this metal band called demon hunter. Oh my. And yes. And it's, it's, but they're Christian, they're a Christian band. So demon hunter okay. and they've got two albums out called war and peace. So it's kind of like heavy rock or, or metal, but okay. But that that music has been so cathartic to me because on the one hand, it's Christian and it deals with with scripture and longing for Christ's return, but it also gets into that that anger and the frustration over evil and and so I connect with with that um, pretty strongly. That is, yeah, I want to check it out. I used to listen to like, <laughs> I used to listen to like, you know, Skillet and, you know, yes, some of those I, like, I was, <laughs> I was so I listen to them when I work out and stuff, yeah. <laughs> I was seriously so obsessed back in the day. It's been a minute since I listened to them, but. <laughs> so there's no judgment here. I've been there. <laughs> Anything that you're watching, are you a TV or movie watcher? You know, um, we just finished, and this is really dark, but we just finished the Jessica Jones series. And um, I would definitely not advise it for families. It's definitely an adult show. Um, But one thing that I found interesting just as a survivor is is the psychology behind a lot of the characters. It deals with addiction, 
Um, one of the characters has a narcissistic mother. Um, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of a very abusive characters in the show and, um, and just as a writer as well, it's been fascinating to see how a secular writing team handles um, sin. And the, uh, the first season of it actually is really interesting because it deals with free will. Um, the super evil character, um, Kilgrave, um, has the ability to control people's will. And make them do whatever he wants. Ooh, creepy. Um, but it's very creepy. And he's played by David Tennant, um, who does a fab- fabulous job. Um, but it kind of, you know, it, it kind of opened my eyes to like, okay, this is why God doesn't mind control. Um, he lets people have free will because he's good. Um, you know, to even though people are fallen, um, God is loving and he's not, he's not interested in us being automatons. He's not interested in us being forced to love him. He's interested in us choosing him. And so, you know, I, I found that, I found that very interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. But again, very dark show. Yeah. Not for kids. (laughs) (laughs) Not This is not family friendly. (laughs) Not at all. In fact, you know, even like, um, you know, if you're a, just coming out of an abusive situation, I wouldn't recommend it. It's interesting for me because I can look back and I can see the patterns of behavior in, in abusive people that I knew. Um, but I've stepped back from that situation and I feel like I can look at it objectively. You know, when you're still in that ground zero phase, you know, you just like, I couldn't watch anything that had violence in it, no sex, nothing like that. It just, just I could not because it would just trigger me to um, have panic attacks. Mm-hmm. It was awful. Yeah. So, you know, nowadays it's, there's so much of TV it has just right. awful things in it. It's really hard to find things that um, are safe. So like mostly what Jason and I, honestly, mostly what we watch is like um, Pixar movies, right. <laughs> Toy Story. Yes. And I'm really excited about seeing The Lion King. I want to see a Lion yes, King. Yes, so me bad. too. <laughs> Try to find somebody to see it with me. <laughs> well, I'll go with you. I know. Just drive up to drive, Dallas. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we should. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, everyone's already seen it. I'm like, guys, it's only been out for like two days. Oh my gosh. Right? Uh, well, I mean, they should want to see it again. True. You should just come in with them of that. Exactly. Right? Come on, guys. <laughs> okay, then lastly, what is refreshing you these days? Like, anything that is just giving you life? Um, I would have to say my, my in-laws moving near us has been awesome. Um, they used to live in Tennessee, um, but they recently moved just a couple miles from us, and being able to see them a couple times a week or even on a daily basis to be able to drop the kids by their house and focus on my writing or go to the gym, you know, or gets just, just shower by myself, you know, just like regular mom stuff, just like breathe without someone patting me or asking me for more chocolate milk. Um, (laughs) That's been such a tremendous blessing Um, and it's also, you know, it's a huge relief to me to have grandparents who are emotionally healthy and Christians involved in my kids' lives, Mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, growing up, I always assumed that my dad would be involved in my children's lives, but it's just not possible and it's not a safe option Mm -hmm. um the way things are and so you know I grieved that you know I grieved that for my children that loss of a grandfather um but you know that now they've got Papa Alan and Grandma Sharon in their lives and um it's just been wonderful it's been such an incredible blessing yeah, that is amazing to be able to have them and just just your story too of you know coming together and Jason becoming a Christian and whatnot is so cool. So again, praise God yeah. for all of that. And absolutely. Yeah. And his dad became a Christian shortly after he did. And then his mom did. Cool. So it's ah, just, yeah. yes, it's just the Lord it's been a, through and yeah. through. All God. So cool. All God. So cool. Yes. Well, thank you for absolutely. sharing your story. I'm, I'm yeah, I'm thank just so you. thankful. And I thank know you, that Emma. that's probably something that's, 
you know, maybe gets easier as time goes on to be able to talk about, but still is not, um, it's just probably brings up hurt. And so thank you for just sharing and being willing to be open and I'm excited for your book and, you know, we are cheering you (laughs) on in this. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Emma. It's been so good talking to you and I hope we get to meet in person sometime soon. Yes, I totally agree. That would be so great. Y'all, I am so thankful for this conversation today because it really is such a hard thing to handle handle conflict. And we learned so much about how to handle conflict more healthily in this season of life. We have left those immature middle and high school years where handling conflict in a healthy way is totally out of the picture. And hopefully we're entering into a time when we can sit with our friends or boyfriends and handle conflict like real adults. So thanks to Heather for helping us out with that. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Make sure you're following me on social for all the updates and sign up for my weekly newsletters to get the inside scoop. I'll catch you back next week. Stay fresh, my people.